we began uh, uh, the prayer meetings again on Instagram, Presence Church Instagram, uh, three weeks ago. And they've been going great. People have been jumping on. We've had all, it started off as a men's prayer meeting. And in that one morning, we were gate crashed by the ladies. We had Camilla, she was praying for us. We had Diego, he was praying, like he's a man, but he, he gate crashed. He was praying, Diego. We had all sorts of people jump on. And we, it's such a great platform where people can just jump on and they can pray with us. And here's the deal, we, we, we continue to do that. But in that first week, God gave me this, 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 this message and this thought around a man by the name of Simeon. And I want to read you about Simeon in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 through to 35, and really quickly break something down for you. The Bible at this particular time says, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The day that the Spirit led, that day the Spirit led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon took that. Simeon was there, excuse me, Simeon was there. He took the child into his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all your people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations and in the glory of all your people of Israel. And Jesus' parents were amazed and, uh, at what had been said about him and Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. And he has been set as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Father, this morning, even in the few minutes I have left, I pray that you would impart something fresh as we talk about this notion of revival being in the air. You know, as I read this particular part of scripture and I looked at Simeon's lifestyle, there is in the first sentence or paragraph actually three indications of what it is to live a revival lifestyle. It's interesting because we have to understand that this is a yes in the New Testament writing, but officially it qualifies as being in the Old Testament. Simeon was a priest who would look after the temple and we could go down that line. We could talk about how there weren't actually many two-year-old boys or boys of the age of Jesus in the region at the time because we know there was a, an edict that was put out because of a king that was fearful of losing his kingship to the real king that was about to come. So he had all the kids around the age of Jesus' birth or age murdered. We could talk about that. But what I saw as I read this, especially as we're in this season that we're in, was a man that actually had something within him that gave him the ability, and not just within him, upon him, gave him the ability to go the distance, to, to, to withstand the tensions and the climates and the times and the religious ideas and the practices and all the other denominations and everything else that was popping up. He just stayed true to what God had promised him. The Bible says this in John chapter 14. 
In fact, in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus was talking to the disciples some time later. He says, if you love me and you keep my commands, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever. In verse 17, he's the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives in you and he will be with you and he will come to you. In verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Jesus was talking to his disciples. I will come to you before long. I will, the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am with the Father and you are with me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And hear this, friend. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I love another passion or another translation that describes this in a passionate way. It actually says, if you love me, I will manifest my presence to you. And so here we have Simeon. He's doing his duties in the temple and fulfilling what he needs to do, circumcision and baptism and dedication and all the, the rituals that go on in the temple. But then one day, one little baby comes in that actually grabs his attention. And I think about the very things I said to you earlier, maybe even within myself, that some of you are probably going through right now. And my question for you today is, how are you doing it's not in my notes here, but I just feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to ask you, how are you doing? Because to be quite honest, for the first two weeks of the coronavirus, I thought, this is pretty cool. I can preach and no one's here to judge me. I can leave after the service. And when I don't feel like having a coffee, I can just go. Uh, I can turn up a little bit later. It's just Pastor Kent and I collaborating. It's an AV team. They're, like there, there were all sorts of things. Don't get me wrong. I love you and I love this place. Then week three happened and we started to realize that having three kids under seven at home and trying to work together as a husband and a wife started to become a little bit tense. And then week four happened and they stopped doing home delivery of groceries and we actually ran out of our first stockpile of groceries that we weren't going to stockpile because we weren't and going to live in fear. <laughs> and then week five happened and then week six happened and then week seven happened and honestly and then last week happened. Up until last week I was still going to the hospital, I was still visiting lots of people and I just reached at a point where physically I was okay but there was something going on in my mind to be honest and this is not a message about Justin, but if it's happening to me and it happened to me, I wonder what's going on for the rest of our community who probably don't have the support, the peer support, maybe even the biblical support, maybe the foundation that, that, that maybe I have. And I just want to ask you, how are you going? And off the back of that question, oh, I've got good news for you. Revival is in the air. That something is shifting if you are ever facing a time of tension as a son and a daughter of God, he will always use it to the good for those who love him. So I want to tell you right now, if you are like me, like I'm okay, but there was a season where I was like, I need to breathe and I need a break. 
I actually realized that God was using this to get me to a place, to take me to a bigger place, for a bigger platform, for a bigger time, for a bigger season. And I believe that it's coming now. And I believe that revival is in the air. As I say that, I say this to you, thinking of Simeon, thinking of his role. I think Simeon may have been probably in a place like a lot of us. The Bible says, in fact, he even uses the words, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, God, I can die now. In other words, he was old, like, like, like he was probably beyond his years. He was probably at a place where he was like, man, I've been waiting so long, finally, oh, everything that's happened in all those years, i got baby Jesus, here you go, you guys are blessed, this is all good, I'm going to be with God now. So what was it that gave Simeon the stability and the endurance to go the length? I want to remind you of something that James, the brother of Jesus, said. He said this, he said, Consider it a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, starting at verse 2. Because of the testing of your faith develops perseverance. He said, Perseverance must finish its work so that you are mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, But I've got good news for you, paraphrasing. If any of you lacks anything, you should ask God who gives wisdom freely. So let's just stop right there. And let's look at who Simeon was. Simeon was a gatekeeper of the house of God. Simeon was a priest. Simeon, not quite, but he was kind of like the pastor. He facilitated the duties of the house of God. Let's put it that way. James said, Consider it a pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. For Simeon to go year after year after year after year after year, knowing that for hundreds of years there had been a promise of a Messiah to come that would be the Savior of the world, that would bring in the kingdom of God, knowing that it might not have even happened in his lifetime, but he had this one promise. I think Simeon might have understood what it was to actually go through trials and testings of his faith. And you know what, I think Simeon probably actually even learned the secret, because the secret here is consider it a pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The time that you're facing the trial, it's often very hard to find joy. How do you find joy in a place of a trial? Friend, can I remind you of your testimony? Can I remind you of the last time God came through for you? Can I remind you of the last time God healed someone in your family? Can I remind you of the last time God pulled you out of a hole that you were in? Can I remind you of, of, of when David took on the bear and when David took on the lion and when David took on Goliath and then when that qualified him to then take on the Philistine armies within a, a, a couple of months of each other? And can I remind you about Gideon and can I remind you about Samson? Can I remind you about Paul? Can I remind you about Jesus? See, over the last two weeks, week and a half, what I've done is I've just spent time reminding myself about all the amazing things that God has done. And you know, it usually takes for us just to stop and take our hands off, thinking that we're in control of everything. Like our pastor friend said the other week, it's called surrender. And in the moment of surrender, it enables God to come in like a flood, like a mighty flood, and to do what he wants to do.
there are a couple of thoughts that I have for you, and I'm going to finish very quickly because I know time is going. But if we were to look at Simeon's lifestyle and what in the first paragraph description of this, this character who had gone through a testing time to get to a place where he actually held Jesus and the presence of Jesus in his arms. The first thing that the Bible tells us about Simeon is he was righteous and devout. Friend, can I tell you that we are obviously the righteousness of Christ, as Corinthians tells us, because of the blood of Jesus. As Pastor Kent said last week, we are already righteous because Jesus has already done it all. But up until this point, he did not have that qualification or that ease or even that, 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 that force field around him because Jesus had not yet come and shed his blood to pay the price for the sins of the world. So then what qualified Simeon to be righteous and devout? You know, I think Simeon was one of a rare breed. The Bible actually says this in Ephesians 5.3. It says, but among you there must be not even one hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Simeon, I believe, learned the key to put complete trust in God. When there's lust and greed in your life, it will cause you to go from the left and to the right. I know I'm speaking to someone right now, I can feel it on my bones. Is there something in your life that you're lusting after that you know you're not doing in the strength of God? Is there something in your life that's causing you to, to be greedy, to override maybe the very principles and the essence and maybe the voice of the Holy Spirit that you know He's speaking to you? The second thing that the Bible tells us about Simeon is he eagerly waited and had expectation. Just amazing, even as a pastor, I've got dedicated, allocated, I get up earlier than my kids, which often sometimes is pretty hard to do. But I got so caught up in the rhythm and I'm just being transparent of Shandala Bamba Boomba Bashikata Bamba Boomba Bamba. Reading my Bible, doing my devotional, going to help out at this ministry and going to help out at this ministry and answering this phone call and getting in trouble and debating with my wife. I need to answer it. I should answer it, which then you end up answering less things because you're incapable of doing more things, which you want to do more things. And then it becomes more about self than it does about serving the kingdom. But what I love about Simeon is the Bible says that he just had an eager expectation. If you're someone that has an eager expectation, coupled with the next thing that it says, that he was clothed with the Holy Spirit, it's a recipe for revival. It's a recipe for transformation. It's a recipe for something new to come and to sweep through your household. It's a recipe for something new to come and sweep through your mindset. It's a recipe for something to come and sweep through that physical part of your body. We have to remember in this season that it's not just all about spirit. And I know we're in church and we're talking about spirit, but it's about soul and our physical body as well. I want to ask you, are you looking after your physical body? Are you eating the right food? Are you going for a walk? Are you reading the right books? And are you 
eagerly expectant, knowing that the Holy Spirit is with you. When God grants you something, He expects you to want it. Let me say that again to you, friend. When God grants you something, He expects you to want it. You know, probably the most valuable thing I did over the course of the last week and a half was I got out my notes section and my Bible, and my iPad, I should say, entitled Prophecies. And there's actually two sections. I started a new one because the other one got so long. And from about 2014, every time someone gave me a prophecy, I wrote it down or I got them to text it to me. And I just started reading prophecy, 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 prophecy. And all of a sudden, these dry bones Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. It was like ligaments started to form again. I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. It was like, and then, and then there was some muscle. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. And it was like blood was coming back into my veins. Prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Even though, even at that particular point, my physical body, it was like I started getting a cold because I'd actually finally stopped and surrendered. But then prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. It was like there was excitement. There was exhilaration. There was vision again. Something was in the air and it was, it was, like revival. It was like something was starting. I want to tell you, friend, revival isn't just when the church fills up with the with crutches and wheelchairs. Revival starts with one person's heart that gets hungry and on fire for God again. And when that catches to two people and then three people and then four people, and then we actually start to fulfill the mandate and the commission of going into the highways and the byways and going into the world and leaving the 99 and going after the one. See, revival's in the air. And when I look at the lifestyle of Simeon, the last thing, and I'll close with this point that it says about Simeon, coupled with this, let's just call it, he was a noble character. He was full of expectation and he was eager to meet the Lord. He held on to the promises. Get your promises out. Get your prophecies out knowing that he was clothed with the Holy Spirit, he was led, the Bible says, into the temple. And he found this little baby, baby Jesus. The promise, the expectation, the exhilaration, all those times of having to consider it a pure joy when he faced trials of many kinds. It was all worthwhile because he understood that the wisdom that came from God gave him the strength to overcome everything that came his way. And at just the right time, at just the right place, because we have a perfect God, baby Jesus was there in his arms. And he said, you can take me away now, God. I know the Savior of the world has come. Friend, I know I've been speaking to most of our community and our family. and I'm looking forward over the next couple of weeks to really going a little bit deeper and preaching into the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you're watching right now from anywhere across the planet and you're wondering, what's this Jesus all about? I want to tell you really quickly. Jesus was the Son of God. He was born into this world to a virgin, Mary, who was pledged to be married to Joseph. One night, an angel came and appeared to Mary and said, you will have, and I'm paraphrasing, a child, and he will be the savior of the world. 
when she went and told Joseph, I'm pregnant, he had in mind to divorce her and, and to separate himself from her. But then that same angel came and visited him and said, this is something of God that can't be stopped. I want you to stay with her. As Jesus grew and he was discipled and discipled other people, he was sinless, not like everyone else on this planet, even myself. Jesus, the Son of God, he eventually was arrested, taken captive after teaching and healing and performing miracles that have never been seen on this world since, but I believe will be seen again. And as he was taken away, he was beaten. Scripture says, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He was beaten and then eventually he was hung on a cross where he died. As we shared earlier, the reason that he died was to pay the price for the sins of the world. Why did Jesus have to die to pay the price for the sins of the world? Because we have a holy God that required a holy sacrifice. And Jesus, being the Son of God, was the only person who ever walked the face of this earth and was without sin. So at the shedding of his blood, he wore the sin that every one of us and the punishment, I should say, that every one of us should have wore. The most amazing thing about this is Jesus just didn't die on the cross, but on the third day, he rose again. We have history books that say that, that, uh, that over 500 people identified that Jesus rose from the dead and revealed himself to them. And right now, we know that he's seated at the right hand of the Father and we have the Holy Spirit who is now here to be with us. Should we invite him in and accept him? The Bible simply says that if you would believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and you would confess that with your mouth, then you will be saved. So friend, I just want to take one second and pray a prayer. If you're praying this for the first time and you want to pray with me, I would encourage you afterwards just to have a look at the link below and when nine minutes over, but you're worth it. We'd love to get in touch with you. We don't want to stalk you, harass you, send you 5,000 emails. We just want to know who you are and see how we can help you on this journey. So would you pray this prayer with me? Today, Jesus, I make a decision that I believe in my heart that you were the Son of God, that you died on the cross and that you rose again. Today, I ask your forgiveness for the sins that I've done. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you enable me to forgive myself for all the wrongs of my past so that I can walk with you into my future. Right now, I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my life. And I pray from this day forward, that you would be the voice and the leading. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.